You're listening to A Very Moody Sports Show with Daniel Moody and Zach Whittington. Brought to you by Moody and Sons Electric. For any electrical needs, call Moody and Sons at 864-478-4328. That's 864-478-4328. Welcome into a very moody sports show. I'm Daniel Moody. This is Zach Whittington on a very special 41st episode. Dan, when you think of the number 41, what pops in your mind? 2011 NBA Finals MVP Dirk Nowitzki, Zach. That is a very specific thing that pops into your mind when I exactly. say number 41. But there really could be nothing else that you would think of because when it comes to making a number immortal, I think the guy who wore it for 20 years, one of the best all-time scorers, the best all-time European player thus far, would you agree? Absolutely. I think Lucas Luka Doncic will put, uh, put a run for the money for sure, but yeah, by far at this point. He's got like 15 more years of doing his thing before he's in Dirk's category. But Dirk Nowitzki, the German, he came all the way down to help out Mark Cuban on the Dallas Mavericks, Steve Nash at first. But Dirk, they had a run at first early in his career with Steve, and then Steve got traded to the Suns, and then the Mavs bounced around for a little bit, hired Rick Carlisle as a head coach, and then bam. 2011 slash 12 finals the Mavericks are going up against potentially the best team ever the Heatles the Miami Heat with Chris Bosh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade so Dan what does Dirk Nowitzki mean to you as a basketball fan well as a basketball fan it really Dirk in the 2011 finals like you mentioned against LeBron James that's what really introduced me into the NBA uh, enjoyment I have at this point um I was never really a big fan of the NBA before then I wasn't watching a lot of basketball before then and then uh, yeah that year uh, there was a lot of talk of it I was pretty amped up uh, I got pretty amped up for some reason when I heard the potential of like the LeBron and uh, I wanted to see what LeBron and uh, Dwayne and Chris Bosh could do as far as in the team see what they could could complete as far as a potential three-peat if uh, they could get there Um, but Dirk had different plans I'm so glad I watched it because I gained such a respect for Dirk as just a player and as a competitor um obviously he had fantastic games all throughout that uh he was the leading scorer uh, uh for the Mavs throughout the entire series and uh there was a lot of the, the 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 series was a very back and forth. Uh, I think only one, only the Mavs won two games in a row, and I think that was early in the series. Uh, but yeah, it was great. Uh, there, you mentioned to me there was one game where uh, obviously LeBron had a bit of a blow up game. Uh, you told me he had eight points in one game, Zach. Yeah, eight points, four turnovers. This is a notorious finals because this is LeBron's meltdown in the NBA Finals. They were the heavy favorites, and then Dirk goes and wins. This has hurt LeBron's legacy. He obviously has a loss on the Finals towards his record. You know, Jordan 6-0, and LeBron's 3-6. and 
in the finals. So, And this is just one of those moments where people question how great LeBron wants to be because you should have easily put those Mavs out. Yeah. They had Tyson Chandler, a good defensive player, and Dirk's really the only offensive option. I mean, Jason Kidd and they had JJ uh, Sean Marion. That that's it. Yeah, like it's not that's not a really star-studded group to win you the title besides Dirk playing out of his mind. And I'm gonna comment on Dirk. So we were uh, freshmen in high school at the time. This finals is going on. It's crazy. Nine years ago, <laughs> but uh, it was funny because I was sitting at the lunch table before school one day, a bunch of guys. Everybody's talking about the NBA season. The playoffs had just started. Everybody's saying the Heat's going to win no matter what. And it's funny because this is one of your friends that I barely knew at the time. Dwayne, what's his last Perry. name? Perry. Dwayne Perry. I looked at the table and he said, the Mavericks are going to win the title. And I looked at him and was like, yes. Because I was a Dirk Nowitzki fanatic at the time. I played basketball growing up. I love the fadeaway. I was infatuated with Dirk. Dan, your first year watching basketball was this year, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Right? So you got to see D-Rose, the shortened season. That's cool. Great first year. I've been watching basketball for a long time. Like my, fr- I remember Jordan playing for the Wizards. I legit remember that. I was young, but I was that was my first year watching. And then I... Didn't have it really an NBA team until the Charlotte Bobcats came around. Unfortunately, I was a Bobcats fan for 10 years. It's tough. <laughs> and then the Hornets are cool. The branding's better. We're coming around. Jordan's our owner. Whatever. Kimball Walker was great. Al Jefferson was great. Gerald Wallace was cool as the Bobcats. Whatever. But I love Dirk the whole time. I have a Dirk jersey. And yep. before he retired, I had a couple buddies with me, but went and saw Dirk play at Charlotte against the Hornets and it was the Mavericks there. That was huge because he was still doing pretty well and he dropped 33 points on Charlotte at home. But I'm pretty Old sure man the Hornets Dirk. got the dub. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Dirk might have shut us down. It's been a, it's been like 6 or 7 years. I I was trying to look up the game before it started before the podcast started. I couldn't find it. So that was a cool one for me. I got to see Dirk play in person with my own two eyes before he retired or started becoming really a bench warmer. So, Well, episode 41, it is the Dirk episode. I'm thrilled. Zach, I know you're thrilled. We love Dirk here, obviously. And you mentioned uh, while we were speaking about that, obviously, LeBron, you said it was 3-6 and six in finals, and you mentioned uh, Michael Jordan. 6-0 and in final appearances, and obviously there has been a documentary series going on, uh, The Last Dance premiering every Sunday. Got episode in 7 uh, and 8 over after past Sunday, and this, this coming Sunday we will have episode 9 and 10 to finish out the series. Obviously, I think we are all a little bit sad that the series is coming to an end, um, just because... It's something that we can all look forward to getting together and watching and then talking about throughout the week, uh, unlike we have without many sports on right now. Um, But that being said, 7 and 8, Zach, I think these were the two best episodes I have seen of the series for sure so far. Uh, Did you get to catch them at all? Yeah, I I just need to say, like, this is... Sports is the only thing that can get me in front of a live television... And this is the closest thing I have to live sports. It's live releasing dramatic sports documentary. <laughs> but, yeah, I cannot – I can't take my eyes away. Like, it's even late at night. It starts at 8 and didn't go off to, like, 10, and I'm I'm Blue. tired, man. But I cannot stop watching, and I wish they would give me the last two episodes last week. But, you know. 
That's what I got this week. And uh, I'm excited because I really want to see the uh, the second to last title. I want to see that wrapped up in episode nine. And then I want to see the last dance, obviously. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I Scotty Pippen is getting a pretty uh, ugly picture painted of him as this keeps going. But I enjoy it, man. This is This is great because this is what me and Dan, we're old enough to be alive. We were both alive for the three-peat. Yep, second three-peat. But barely. I was born the year of the first title of the second three-peat. Ooh, so 96. We are old enough. Yeah, we were born. We've been alive for Jordan, but we're too young to remember the three-peat. I can remember him playing for the Wizards, and I think that's great, but it's not the same as being <laughs> Definitely a not. young man during the time of Jordan's reign. So this is exciting. We're learning a lot. This is like edgier seat stuff for us young people. Like some of you old folk have seen this. It's old news. It's probably great to relive it, but we're learning, eating it up. And this is really solidifying Jordan as the goat. I agree with you there. Um, Obviously. So episode seven, um, we pick up where they had just finished off his first three Pete. And at that point he had said that that was what he was aiming for. Bird, uh, bird and, uh, Magic Johnson both had never won three back-to-back, and so that was his aim, was three-peat. And so once he succeeded there, uh, Jordan had a feeling of what's next. He didn't really know. There wasn't a drive to go for another championship. He was feeling a little done with basketball. And so him and his father had been talking, and uh, there was discussion between them of a potentially canceling, quitting basketball. Um, And then, tragically... Uh, before he really even gets to process what happened with the finals, before he gets to really decide what he's doing as far as his next step in his career, his father is tragically murdered. Um, and this, I do believe, sort of led a bit more and pushed Jordan more. You said, uh, Zach, to me before the show, before we got on the pod here, uh, said that you remember uh, Jordan saying the last thing he remembers talking about with his father was uh, he said that he wanted to quit basketball and move to baseball, and his father said he should do it. And so Jordan retires and goes to baseball. Um, and Zach, he doesn't do too bad there. You told me, uh, Terry Francona and, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf both said, uh, what as far as how he did there? Yeah. So first off crazy, the Durham Bulls, uh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Uh, uh, he was with Birmingham, Birmingham. (laughs) I don't know why I was thinking Durham Bulls, but, uh, that's another minor league team. But Terry Francona is the, uh, manager of Michael Jordan in the minor leagues. Isn't that crazy? Terry Francona went on to coach Boston, and now he's the current Cleveland manager. But that's crazy. Crazy connections right there. And Terry Francona and Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls, both said with 1,500 at-bats, Michael Jordan would have been in the majors. Which, when you're batting 200 and driving in 50 RBIs as a baseball player – when you were literally Air Jordan dunking on people like six months ago. That's kind of wild, right, Dan? Don't you think? It was wild. Um, They definitely, he, he initially, they showed sort of his initial progression in the season, Um, and they said that, you know, he started out his first 13 games, he had a hit. 
and it was because they were all just fastballs right down the middle. Game hitting streak Third to start game his hitting streak to start the career, and then that sort of stopped as soon as they started challenging him with some more complicated pitches. He started struggling more, but the Terry Francona, just like most coaches that I've picked up on that he's played for, said Michael Jordan's work ethic was comparable to none he was in there before batting practice during batting practice after batting practice before the game would hit for the game and then hit after the game said this man was always trying to work on his hitting um so the fact that he was that relentless i think he definitely i think they're right i think he probably would have got there this man seems like the most determined person i have seen in my life so i wouldn't be so stunned if he makes it to the uh, to the major leagues um but zach uh not only did they give us the Michael Jordan in baseball look, they did give us some extra on the Bulls during the 94 season without Michael Jordan. Um, and this was one of the more interesting parts of Episode 7 for me, I think, where we got to see uh, the 94 Bulls sort of coming off that first three-peat. They obviously had the key pieces they need, minus Michael Jordan, to potentially make a run for a championship again. Um, they make it into the they make it into the playoffs. They get into the semifinals or are playing against the Nets. They go down 2-0, and in what would be considered a must-win game, absolutely have to get it. Uh, the the Nets are tra- are up on the Bulls by two uh, by one point. Uh, call timeout. You got about 13 seconds or so to run a play, possibly get the win. Uh, Phil Jackson draws up a play that's going to give the ball to Tony Kukoc to take the final shot. During this entire season, Scottie Pimpin has had an MVP-style season. He has been their dominant lead player, although he has been a facilitator more than an actual scorer for them. Um, and when Pippen realizes that Coach will take the final shot, Scottie Pippen refuses to go into the game and sits on the last play. And then... What I thought was going to end completely different, I thought it was going to end on the opposite side of the spectrum, Tony Kukoc nails the game winner, which doesn't surprise people. He had hit multiple game winners throughout the year uh, already. Uh, so nails the game winner, and they go into the locker room and have to go play game four. Zach, how awkward would you feel if you were in Scottie Pippen's shoes right then and there? I... <laughs> I don't understand the rationale. Like, yes, we're learning this for the first time. This is a perfect example of us being young, having no idea this ever happened. So me and you both taking this in the first time. Would you tell me that Tony Kukos has made six of these this season? (laughs) Scotty, bruh, that's your teammate. That's (laughs) your dog. Grab the ball, attract a double team, and then pass it to your mans who's cash money. And cold-blooded at the end of the game. So, don't give me no, Scotty, selfish. The last thing I need is a selfish player. Like, I, even as, like, an inexperienced basketball fan slash player, I don't believe in a clutch situation with a game on the line, you give it to a guy. You get it to the open man on the floor. You don't get it to a name on a jersey. You don't get it to Scotty Pippen. What if Scottie Pippen has four men on him in the last play? You're not going to proceed with that play. You're going to pass it to one of the four open guys on the rest of the floor. So, Scotty, take a step back. Think about sportsmanship. And you wouldn't have this bad 
negativity associated with you. I was about to say this well, bad contract that the Bulls wouldn't renegotiate with you. What you would consider is Scotty's didn't have these roughest moments. point. I think it's probably the roughest point. Yeah. Um, and, that, and I'm not even one to make a huge deal out of this situation. I will say, but, Zach, what if Michael Jordan's taking that shot? What if Phil Jackson draws it up for Michael Jordan and he has four thing, people on thing. him? What happens when Michael Jordan has four people on him? You pass it to Scottie Pippen. Great second option. And you let him knock it down. And Michael like, Jordan's willing to do it. I don't want to hear it, Scotty. Scotty, that's just you getting too big for your damn britches because you had a good season <laughs> without Michael. That's what that is. Absolutely. And I I'm a young it. man saying that type of stuff. Right Get now. at him, so. son. Um, hey. So, yeah. But that being said, I do think this leads to what is one of the most iconic visual memories. I Not memories, but just like images I have of Scottie Pippen when people talk about Scottie Pippen playing basketball. I will ne- always will for- forever picture him just going up and dunking on Patrick Ewing and shoving that man to the ground and stepping over him. And that sort of that was game four of this series, and that sort of got them ignited back up, got them back together. Um, and but they do go on to lose the series in seven games. Uh, Man, tough. Patrick Ewing's one of my favorite all-time players, dude. And it's so it's so sad because Patrick Ewing. They even had like a behind-the-scenes clip on that uh on the Last Dance episode eight, and he was like, "A lot of people don't remember I had a great game." <laughs> Because Michael had a better one. Yeah, exactly. So, I oh, love man. Patrick, but that's unfortunate. He got thrown to the ground. And Patrick Ewing not only had to deal with that in NBA, he had to deal with it in college. Michael Jordan uh, beat his UConn team for a national championship. Georgetown. 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 Thank you. He's the coach um, of Georgetown right now. So not only did episode seven give us that, it also gave us a look into the mentality and what we, uh, what Michael Jordan was really concerned about as far as what would hurt potentially hurt his image with people um, in this documentary. Um, we got to see where how demanding of he wa- he was of his teammates, uh, the sort of rough treatment he would put them through. Um, talked about the Steve Kerr fight where he uh, struck Steve Kerr in the face. Um, and also will Purdue multiple fights with teammates. Uh, and But there was a quote that stood out to me most, Zach, and I think this sort of supports the side that I think you would be viewing from. As you are an athlete, you definitely understand the premise as far as the wolf pack. The, the, the wolf pack is as strong as this weakest link. So if you have somebody who is not caring, who's not trying, who's not putting 100% effort in, then you are then in Michael Jordan's head, you are not going to be a part of the team because you are not going to help us get to the championship, get to our final goal. Um, the quote was, and he says this as uh, he says this as the perspective of a fan. He said the fan would say, "Well, he wasn't really a nice guy. He may have been a tyrant, you would call it." Uh, and then his response to that would be, "No, that's you. You've never won anything." And that really just sort of stood out to me because obviously I've never played on an organized sports team. I never competed in that manner of on a field or on a court. And so just hearing him sort of say that sort of struck me a lot because, I mean, he's right. I mean, if you haven't been in the, tr- the trenches, if you haven't been in those situations, you don't really know what it does take to get to the top. I understand. I've been on good teams. I've been on a lot more bad teams than I've been on good teams. But I have been on a couple good teams. And the thing is, good teams are driven by good players. 
And when I say that, I mean, I almost mean great players. You need a Michael Jordan type guy on your team to install belief in the rest of the guys that we can actually do something and we're not out here wasting our time. And yes, I was younger when I played sports as opposed to a professional athlete. But at the same time, I saw that I had a great teammate that could bail us out of situations, that could get us, win us games. If we could just do what we were supposed to, he would take care of his part every time. And that's kind of where you're at with Michael Jordan. And uh, I'm referring, this is kind of weird, I'm referring to this one guy, Kel, that I used to play with. If, if If I would rebound and pass my man's the ball, he would go get me a bucket on the other end. It was just and a guarantee. All, all he needed out of me was to get the rebound, pass him the ball. And that went all the way through his like high school career. And uh, it's kind of weird because he kind of looks like Michael Jordan, which is even weirder. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, I've been on other basketball teams that were successful, and it was always basketball. Every other sport I kind of – I never was on a good football team, a really good football team. But, yes, you need great players to make – and you have to follow their example because the great players, they're working hard and their parents are teaching them how to work hard. And that's where the guys who don't have that like external motivation, you got to follow their example. And hopefully the coach is good too. It's where, you know, uh, what's the GM for the bulls? The uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry Krause, Jerry Krause. He said, yeah, it was a big scandal because he was like, it's good organization. We have a great organization. That's why we're winning. And Michael and Scotty took that as an insult. I'm like, bro, if you had a terrible coach and terrible management and nobody was getting paid and like everything is horrible and your trainers suck and you have terrible training facilities that you kind of need more than just great players, but great players help a lot. Well, that is something to be said that the GMs are something to do with it because as you mentioned, uh, GMs, front offices, they refuse, they, they are typically the reason players end up leaving because they don't want to pay certain players who feel they deserve, they've earned a bigger paycheck. And uh, that is something that sort of happened with the Bulls, and they do address this in Episode 8, uh, where you get to see Jordan returning to the Bulls mid-95 season after the MLB goes into strike. He says he will not play play uh he will not play with them if there's uh if there's not like an actual full season um so he leaves he goes back to the basketball um he returns to the bulls and in the he he does manage to pull the bulls up to a a playoff position in the 95 season um but they will ultimately lose in the conference semifinals to Shaq Penny Hardaway and a previous player that uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Krause both decided not to pay and let walk, uh, Horace Grant, who was their sort of center man, the dominant presence in the middle. And you could see during that whole uh, series, they were missing Horace Grant because he was on the other side giving it to them, along with Shaq. Um, So after this, uh, you know, Jordan goes uh, at this point Jordan's been working himself out looks at he's in a baseball shape he's more built for hitting home runs things of that nature he's not built for continuous running pace and pace up and down the court um, so during the 95 offseason he goes and fills Space Jam um, which I was unaware of this Zach this is probably one of my favorite parts of episode 8 uh, was the interesting fact that Warner Brothers built Michael Jordan entire basketball gym 
and a workout facility, and he used the entire summer Space Jam filming session <clears throat> as his way of getting back into basketball shape. He would have uh, like professional uh, top tier NBA players come in. They played no ref games uh, for like three hours continuously, uh, and you know he just continually built his body. They did say that they were doing a little preseason scouting also with this, get taking some notes on some key players, what they liked to do and didn't like to do. So, uh, but all of it sort of culminates into what is the 96 season. They br- rushed through this one pretty quick. They rushed through the 96 season, 72 wins, 10 losses. They cruised through the playoffs into their fourth title. And what really stood out to me most in this episode outside of Space Jam information was the very final few scenes where you get the interview after they win the championship and you see Michael Jordan get emotional, getting choked up, and you instantly know what it is. Um, he addresses it with the with the interview. He says that this one's for daddy. Uh, this is after his father's loss. This is the first championship he wins without his father. And the final scene you really see is him laying in the locker room instead of celebrating, weeping on the floor. Um, and that just sort of screamed me, and uh, you've sort of heard this in, in times like here recently. Uh, you hear players talk about this later on in life, that obviously it's great to win the championship. It's great to get that, that, that trophy. Um, but in all in all, once you look back on it, it doesn't mean as much as it did back then to them most of the time. And so I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah, just you got to enjoy the process. The finish line's never really as fun as the process once you recollect on the whole situation. But I got two things. I'm not gonna let you. I'm not gonna let you just sweep Dominate. past all of those topics <laughs> without me commenting. Give me First, some Space Jam. Yes, Space Love it. Jam, greatest movie ever. <laughs> so you're saying this, but I'm asking you, how much do you believe what you're saying, Dan? How much? Do you like Space Jam? And I ask you this because we are the prime age for Space Jamming. Because a little <laughs> bit older than us, like five, ten years, if you're five, ten years older than us, you think Space Jam's stupid because you're an adult. Adults think it's stupid. If you were an adult watching the NBA when Michael was around, you think Space Jam's stupid. But if you're too young for Space Jam, you don't appreciate it because you don't get the Looney Tunes exposure nowadays that you used to. And you also really are more in the Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James than you are Michael Jordan. But us, Dan, prime space jammers. Greatest movie Tell me what you feel. And don't say greatest. I mean. Just tell me honest feelings. Do you think it's corny? No, not at all. I think it's great. I think it's well executed. Especially, I mean, people are looking to it, I think, sometimes as like, obviously, when I say the greatest movie of all time, I'm just talking about sitting down if i catch space jam on i don't care what what scene it is i will sit from that moment till the end of the movie because the one thing i have to see every time is michael jordan extend that arm halfway across the court and just drop the ball in the basket to win and beat the monsters i have to that's the one see it every time that's Have hilarious to. you say that, because that's the one part of Space Jam I don't like. <laughs> what? Yes, it blew my mind the first time. Wild. Yes, the first time, amazing. I'm like, what? And then afterwards, even as like a tiny kid, I'm like, well, that was kind of ridiculous, don't you think? It is. It's loony. It's loony. It's loony, but, uh, <laughs> That's the whole point. But 
I agree with you too. If I see it, I'm stopping what I'm doing. I'm watching Space Jam. <laughs> Space Jam was one of those movies for me that was on a VHS tape, and you watched it every night before you went to bed. Got over. I have watched Space Jam hundreds of times. I can recite <laughs> an ungodly amount of the script. It's a quotable movie too. Like I thought I saw Michael Jordan. Like there's so many. Like there's. It's a great. <laughs> it's a great movie. I think it's a great concept. I don't know how you're going to make Space Jam 2 with LeBron. I don't know what the plot's going to be. If it's anything Monstar-like, it's probably going to be lame. Rip off. I love the addition of other NBA stars. Charles Barkley's in the movie. Patrick Ewing's in the movie. This is part of my like for Patrick Ewing. Awesome. The Knicks were cool at the time when we were in the 90s. They haven't (laughs) been good since. (laughs) Two Hornets players are of the five Monstar uh, NBA talent stolen. You had Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bogues. Oh, Muggsy Bogues, such a great one. I can never remember the tall guy's name. The one tall white remember. dude? I can never remember I've him. I've looked it up <laughs> tens of times, and I can never remember. And he, he was huge. Sean Bradley. Mm. Oh, Bam. Damn. <laughs> Impressive, Zach. <laughs> yes. So there you go. And uh, I, Space Jam for me is a classic. You got Larry Bird. You got Michael. Larry Bird playing some golf. You got Bill Murray (laughs) at the end. Bill Murray comes in, gets an assist and a steal. One minute game played. The fact that you give me the Vladdy Divock drop, I'm like, that's such a great one, too. (laughs) Vladdy, oh, man. So Space Jam for me is iconic. It's one of my all-time favorites. Like When I say, if you put me on a desert island with five movies, I'm taking Space Jam. And that's not even... That's not even me putting on a front for mm. being on a sports podcast or talking about Michael in the Last Dance. The fact that Space Jam even gets coverage in the Last Dance just makes me giddy. Exactly. And I don't even use that word. <laughs> Probably best <laughs> so, part of the series. And it, it's that's not even what I'm talking about. It's just Space Jam was a great movie for me. Just like Sandlot. Amazing. Two amazing movies. But Space Jam times five and a half to Sandlot because I do like Sandlot a lot. Love Sandlot too. Classic. Space Jam. Space Jam Two is probably. I'm. You see, we're gonna be too old for Space Jam Two, and we're gonna think it's stupid. These damn Just kids like, and their Space Jam movies. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to find some kids and ask them how good Space Jam Two is. What's your impression? That's what, yeah, that's fair. We can't. We can't give our impressions of Space Jam Two. We need to call in for some kids and uh, figure out some, what they get. Find we need, out need some young kids. adults to inform us what their opinions are of Space Jam Two. So now that I've ranted about a child's movie. Perfect. I mean, it is, it's literally my favorite movie too, Zach. Um, one other thing I did find funny is just like we del- sort of delved into the idea that uh, Michael Jordan would just make up random stories about other players insulting him or, you know, slighting him um, just to get himself motivated for games, which I find hilarious. Like the one that stood out, they talked about LeBradford Smith of the Wizards dropped 37 in a career high against Michael Jordan one night. The next night, the very next night, they play back-to-back. They go to Washington, and Michael Jordan drops 36 points in the first half on LeBradford Smith. All because Michael Jordan told media members that while they were walking off the court in the first game, LeBradford Smith goes, hey, Michael, good game. He and made all that up. He made yeah. all of it up. 
<laughs> he made all of that up. I'm not as worried about that because Michael's played thousands of basketball games and he probably needs some external motivation, internal motivation. I remember now after I went on my huge Space Jam rant, I had more than one thing to look, cover. Two, you haven't talked about this, but we did before the show, and there's a lot of be- it being made about Michael Jordan cussing at his teammates, calling them names like the B word and calling them a hoe and stuff like that. And there's been some response, not only from like, you know, ESPN's obviously going to bring it up, but there's some like ex NBA players and current NBA players. Udonis Haslam is the one I'm referring to the longtime heat player, tough guy. I'm Udonis Haslam, whatever. Super. I'm Udonis Haslam, whatever. Super (laughs) tough guy. He was like, I respect Michael and all, but no way you're calling me that and we're not swinging or something to that extent. And first off, I call my friends more obscene things when I see them than Michael Jordan said in any of those. Maybe that's bad upon me and my friends to call each other that when we see each other. But if you're going to go to the point and think I'm disrespecting you hard because I'm calling you a B-word or calling you a hoe when you're a man and we're on a basketball court among other alpha males, like get the F out of here with that. If I'm on a football field, I can't tell you how many times I've been tackled and whispered what my what I was in my ear from the guy who tackled me and like stuff like that. Like it is sports. It is a mind game just as much as it is a physical competition. And if you can't be handled calling a playful B-word or hoe from Michael Jordan when he's sitting on the sideline dangling his feet off the bleachers, are you cut are you cut out for this? Are you no cut like, out for the championship? And every trip? single guy on the Bulls did not have a problem with it, except for the there's one guy I can't remember his name right now who like left the team and his career was over because Michael Jordan got to him. Well, hey, maybe Michael Jordan just sped up the process of you not making it in the NBA. So, Ooh. <laughs> all I'm saying is, there if you're gonna sit here and complain about cussing at each other, like yes, I understand some people may have like religious obligations to cussing. Like, maybe some guys deathly get offended when you say a cuss word towards them. If so, you know, man, like, don't let words bother you so much. First off is my advice for you. Second off, just don't pay mind to it. Like, just school the man on the court. Like, and then he'll shut up. He won't call you these things. I don't know. That's what bothers me. You're absolutely right. The worrying about cussing on a sports field is the last thing you need to be worried about. You need to be worried about your job and cutting and setting good screens and picking up a block and stuff like that. Exactly. (laughs) Worrying about profanity is the last thing on my mind. You're hired as my coach, Zach. Let's go. So I'm allowed to cuss at your kids. (laughs) We're going to go win a championship is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Exactly. And I will try not to cuss to the media members. Oh, man. All right, Zach. So I think we've done enough last dance coverage as we hit the uh, 34-minute mark. Uh, It's a great great little uh, documentary. Um, So, Zach, college football, there has been a little discussion about things happening and uh, potential returns. Pac-12 has uh, talked about their potentially not having games or just playing 11-game Pac-12 schedule only, which could throw off a lot of things for all of college football. Um, so, Zach, I was wondering, uh, NCAA has already come out and said if there's multiple, div- if, the, if there's not 
ideal just routine all the way across the board for college football starts, uh, then they will not oversee and they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to divide a landscape. Uh, so do you believe college football is an all-or-none situation, Zach, or do you believe you'll see like the Pac-12 just not play with everybody else while the ACC, SEC, Big 12, Big 10 all are still playing together? Um, how do you feel about that? That sounds really complicated to even try to think about. I feel <laughs> that the ace, the SEC is not going to let college football not happen unless there's some type of like government intervention. That's like the only thing stopping it. Like unless your state says you cannot do this, the SEC is going to do it. And here's what I'm more worried about than the big powerhouse schools and the Pac-12 and the SEC. Like, Alabama's going to have enough money no matter what to make it through this year if there's no college football. What about, like, Furman? What about, like, Appalachia State where they get make a million-plus dollars to go play Alabama one week? What about, like, East Middle Tennessee State when this money keeps the athletic programs going for not only football but for other sports? And you're canceling these games, even if you just keep the conference schedule, the cupcakes that are going to get paid to play the big programs, that money is important for those schools, especially those athletic programs and those scholarships and those dorm fees and all that type of stuff. So I had thought about that when you were talking about the uh, – when you brought it up. So, hey, man, well, there's a lot of implications here for us being scared about a virus. I feel like it would be much easier for everyone just have to wear a mask in the stadium. I think that's exact. I think that's an excellent point. Well, and the biggest, like obviously, like you said, it's really based state to state. And the big concern for the Pac-12 is California has a lot of schools in the Pac-12, and they have already said they do not plan on doing fall uh, opening campuses to students in the fall. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But like you said, the SEC definitely they have already said they are going to uh, gather on May 22nd, have a vote to see about opening athletic facilities for voluntary workouts in June. Um, and Zach, like you said, with the smaller schools needing money and needing the ability to play these big time schools, get these paychecks, uh, they actually have already talked about uh, realigning some of the schedules. If the Pac-12 can't play, they would realign some schedules, allow like BYU to fill in for certain uh, spots. Because obviously, you got certain games where like you're going to have uh, NC State playing some Pac-12 school at some point. So there's going to be a lot of teams that got to fill spots in their schedule. And so ideally, if all the leagues minus the Pac-12 play then you ideally would still have the ability to play the Furmans, the App States. But, as you said, it's all just dependent on what's what's to come in the future. Um, MLB also sort of trying to figure out what they're doing. They have sort of put out a proposal, and this is looking like, Zach, it's going to lead to a bit of a money fight between the billionaires and the millionaires. So, Zach, before we even get into it, do you want to talk about a fight between billionaires and millionaires, or are you one who says... <laughs> What what are we fighting about? You all have money. This is out of my tax bracket. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just sort of let just let the people know, uh, you know, they're talking 82 game schedule, mid-June return with a 14 team postseason. They want designated hitters in both leagues now, not just in in the National League. Uh, and then the big thing that this sort of seems I think is a little bit more of a it seems like a bit of a slight to the players from the MLB front office people. Uh, 50-50 revenue split. Um, that's including like concessions, things of that nature, along with uh, also uh, ticket revenues, things of that nature. But 
in this proposal, they say that the season will open with no fans. So where's some of them? Where's the revenue for 50-50 revenue split coming from, really? I'm just confused by that. Obviously, there's going to be TV? TV deals and stuff. And I was talking with Andy at one point. Um, is there a potential of uh, these TV deals? Can you restructure to these TV deals to be larger for benefit of the players? Because at this point, you've restructured them based off the idea of having people in the stadium. Well, now that you're going to have more people at home, more potential viewers, can you restructure the contract TV contracts to be higher for potential revenue for the players? Um, so that's just sort of what's happening in the MLB. Obviously, they're still working that out, um, and the players have to. I've already seen one player, one of the Rays pitchers, said he does not like this proposal at all. He's not on board with it. Uh, I feel that's going to be a trend you see with a lot of MLB players saying they don't want to do that. Um yeah. Only other few things, Zach. Uh, I saw the Rams. They revealed their unis. Did you see them? Yes. Fresh. They're, gar- they're garbage. You don't like them? They're garbage. I think they're all right, but I will say. They I look like, like the Chargers, man. I like their whites. Their whites are no longer a white. They're more like a off gray. Like they're pretty. I like the. I like their uh, white unis. Um, they're better than the logo, Zach. Let's at least they improve. <laughs> If they had gave they me. literally look like the Chargers, and they're the Rams. So I don't know what you want, and they're both in L.A. Eric, so why don't you just take your two teams and combine, and smash them. them in the one? They they have they both have just enough fans to fill an actual stadium. It'd be perfect. <laughs> Uh, I Eric think you Dicker. have to close on that, man. I think <laughs> okay, you have we're to. moving on. Leave it <laughs> out. Sometimes you just gotta let the joke sit. Uh, and Zach, before we get out of here, I have a question for you. Oh God! As you were a child. Were you a fan of Tony Hawk? Wow. We're going to talk about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here, okay. Here's another thing. We are the perfect age. <laughs> another to be perfect age. Obsessed with Tony Hawk. <laughs> oh, let's go, man. Um, so, Tony Hawk is rebooting Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. It will be dropping that September 4th, Zach. Will you be purchasing? Because I'm already about to uh, pre-ordering. I'll tell you that. They're doing enhanced <laughs> graphics. They're supposed to update it. It looked pretty good on the it's sneak It's going to be so good. But uh, let me ask you this. Did you own either Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 or 2? So I had, I think I had Pro Skater 2. I definitely, I owned That was my first one, after. Pro Skater 2. You Nintendo 64. Underworld? Did you play the under, uh, like Tony Hawk Pro Skater Underworld? I think. Or, uh... Okay, so so I'm about to I'm about to lay lay some knowledge down. So uh, Tony Hawk Pro, it's Pro, it's to- Tony Hawk Underground. Underground, that was it. Yes, Tony Hawk Underground One so and Underground good. Two. Underground Those were my Two, favorite. amazing. And then on that one, you had a lot of added features. You could get Bam Margera from Viva La Bam. You could get Wee Man. You get all the classic skaters. You like, could get uh, Sasquatch normal. too. You could get Sasquatch. You could get Ben Franklin. <laughs> oh, ben, ben Franklin was dope because you went and skated Boston. Boston was a dope spot. Exactly. So you would date. You could skate in Barcelona and run with the Bulls. You could also skate in Boston. Help me out here. Uh, I'm pretty uh, sure you got like uh, Amsterdam at one point, or no? You you got a Moscow. You did a Moscow run at one point. Yeah. That may so have been that underground. That game was great. You could hop off the board for the first time. It was great. There was uh, there's some interactiveness. And stuff. I'm gonna go ahead and say though, the best Tony Hawk game ever made was Project Eight. Hands I down. did not play Project 8. Wow. Were you, did you play American Wasteland? 
I did play American Wasteland. I love so, American Wasteland. American Wasteland did the no loading screens, and that was cool. Free roam around the neighborhood and stuff. But from a pure beauty skateboarding realism challenge with a little bit of that Tony Hawk craziness involved, Project 8, the best Tony Hawk game ever made. I'm did telling you, you, if you haven't played it, go get a PlayStation 2 and get it. <laughs> I'm pretty you sure you can get play... it for Xbox 360. Did you ever play uh, the skate games where it was just like I an did, and skate was very realistic, and I liked the joysticks and the kickflips and whatever. But it's not as fun as I had on Tony Hawk Underground Two and Project Eight. So. I loved making my own skate parks, create a skate park, and then you oh build yeah, it up. That's, that's cool, awesome. that's cool. There's like a little Sims vibe to that, and then uh, but yeah, video games, skateboarding video games. Video games. Come on. At one point, I used to love skateboarding, BMX video games, ATV off-road fury. Ooh, I loved ATV off of Fury. Those were you. I could spend six hours just driving around doing jumps and stuff. Yeah, doing and then there's just nothing. like like alternative rock playing. Headstrong, take, take you. On. Oh my gosh, Zach, you were taking me flashback <laughs> to my childhood. Take on anyone. This is literally my childhood through and through. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you put uh, on Space Jam, and I'll just go to bed. That's about to say I'm about <laughs> ready for bed. Sounds like a good night to me. Um, so Zach, uh, I think that's all we got for this week. Obviously we'll be back next week. Episode 42, uh, but episode 41, Dirk Nowitzki episode. I think we're out of here. Alrighty. Great episode. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Moody Sports Page. Check out the uh, website, MoodySportsPage.com. Me and Zach will throw some new stuff up there this week. Uh, we appreciate the, the love, the support. Y'all keep, uh, take it easy. Stay safe out there. Stay beautiful. Thank you for listening to A Very Moody Sports Show with Daniel Moody and Zach Whittington. Follow us on Instagram, Spotify, and Twitter at Moody Sports Page. That's right, a new name, Moody Sports Page. And listen up next week for good predictions and hot takes.